Hello, pizza people, and welcome to the very first episode of Peel, a PMQ pizza podcast. This podcast is intended to consist of organic, unfiltered conversations between myself and the independent operators that make up the backbone of the U.S. pizza industry. First, I wanted to just introduce myself. My name is Charlie Pogetkar, Senior Editor with PMQ. It's a position I've held since August. That means I'm a relative rookie to the pizza scene. I hope that me approaching a lot of the conversations from a place of ignorance um, will only add to what you, the listener, can learn from listening to the podcast. One of the people we'll be learning alongside is Brian Hernandez, PMQ test chef and U.S. pizza team director. We'll be diving into unique styles of pizza with Brian, as well as doing U.S. pizza team check-ins. Brian is a wealth of knowledge, and yet he considers himself a student of pizza making. Uh, I would like to just note here that I've been told Brian is vastly underselling his knowledge and expertise, but I guess I'll let you decide. Today, toward the end of the pod, I'll be chatting with Brian about Detroit-style pizza, which was the featured style in the January-February edition of PMQ. If you do not subscribe to PMQ and our e-letters, shame on you. No, we hope that you do that. Um, Go to our website, click on subscribe, and that will take you where you need to go. Before we check in with Brian, though, we'll be chatting with Sean Jafergian. This is about a 45-minute conversation I have with Sean. He's the owner and operator of A Slice of New York Pizza in Murraysville, Pennsylvania, which is just outside Pittsburgh. If you don't know Sean, you actually might without knowing you know Sean. He is the guy in the viral How to Eat Pineapple Pizza video. Spoiler, he wants you to throw it in the effing trash. Sean, which this will not surprise people who do know Sean, really lets it fly in the interview. There's some explicit language. So I just wanted to give that heads up. We're talking to a piece of people here after all, so may not be suitable for children. I also want to set up the interview a little bit. Sean came into the Zoom meeting hot, just talking about how he was no longer going to expand across the suburbs of Pittsburgh and launch all these other locations. I had just spoken to him back in November for a feature story where that was sort of the game plan was like to build out a location north of Pittsburgh and west and south. And he was already has a foothold in the east. But anyway, he was now saying, I went on vacation. I had a revelation. I don't want any of those things. And that's kind of where this conversation starts. So once again, just wanted to welcome you to the inaugural episode of Peel, a PMQ pizza podcast. Please subscribe, tell your friends, subscribe to the magazine on the website. We appreciate you all listening and we'll see you back here in a couple of weeks. It will be a bi-weekly podcast, by the way. You can find it in any podcast feed, as far as we know. You can also check us out on SoundCloud, which is where you will find the official landing page, as it were, for Peel, a PMQ pizza podcast. And you can also follow along on our website, as there will be some podcast updates on there as well. Here we go. So, uh, yeah, we were on vacation. We closed for two weeks. Yep. This week, I, I thought about nothing. And then the second week, we were away where I had some time to relax. And I started to just kind of reassess everything that has <laughs> happened over the last three years. And, you know, we had gotten so caught up in all of the media attention we had been receiving and all of the, the growth potential and as I was floating in a pool in Punta Cana, I realized I don't want any of that. <laughs> and, uh, and that I've already, I don't mean to say, this is going to sound maybe a little pompous, but I don't mean it to, sure. but I've already accomplished everything in Pittsburgh that I've wanted to accomplish. Yes. So the goal, now that my kids are both in college, they're soon to be out of college is I want to pack everything up. I want to move to like Charleston, South Carolina. I want to buy a food truck so I could be like Larry Galper of of Pizzella down in Miami and work like three days a week and enjoy my time at the beach playing golf. (laughs) That is, I'm also a fellow golf junkie. So we're going to have to circle back to that just so you know. But uh, so this is like breaking news. It also renders all of the questions I prepared for this interview probably moot at this point. But um, I love it. We're going to go in a different direction, I guess. So no, I mean, we'll still dive into all that. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Of course. I'm I'm the type of person that I come up with a grandiose idea. And then like five days later, I'm like, yeah, maybe not. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But so the news already picked it up. So did you announce it on Instagram or something like that? 
Yeah. So I put it out there on Facebook. And uh, so I signed a three-year lease where I'm at. We're only six months into it. Sure. But what I, I announced with the headline is a slice of New York is closing. <laughs> and then, but then if you watch the whole video, you would see that we're closing in 2026 when the lease is up. Um, so oh, wow. it, it did this crazy clickbait thing. And just like some other stuff we've had, it went yeah. locally viral. It got about 32,000 views. And, um, but then the local news station who had just featured us on a pizza special on their channel, um, they ended up airing it like on their news twice in, in a single week, <laughs> but they kind of clickbaited it also. Sure. Like the headline was like, a local popular pizza shop is closing its doors, but oh not in 2026. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just this fun little thing that kind of went crazy. And did did you get like a ton of foot traffic over the next few days? Oh my god! Because the people that didn't watch the whole video, like literally, it was we a funeral. <laughs> yes. So everybody was coming in, like. Oh my God, I heard you were closing. Oh my God, I heard you were closing. But that's also what spiked the views. Sure. Because people were probably having these conversations like, oh my God, did you hear a slice of New York is closing? And then some other person was like, idiot, did you watch the whole video? And then they went back and watched the whole video. And then, you know, it was yeah, just yeah. crazy. That's, like, that's <laughs> amazing. All right. So we're going to, we're going to, let's ramp up to that by going backwards. Um, and I kind of want to start at the beginning uh, with you, Sean. So, you grew up in Queens or the Bronx? I forget. The Bronx. The Bronx. Okay. And yeah, let's just, let's just take it from there. So uh, tell me, like, how, how do you fall in love with pizza? Like, what's your upbringing like? And what's your local slice shop? Stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, you don't realize you're in love with pizza, though. I'll be honest, until you get to somewhere that doesn't have it, you know, like as much. So growing up, I didn't know how good of what I had. Like, I didn't know how good it was until... Yes. I was gone. So yeah. I grew up in a section called Pelham Bay in the Bronx. And we had two famous pizza shops, but one like really famous that again, we didn't know it was famous. It was just our sure. local our local pizza shop. And it was called Louie and Ernie's. It was on okay. Crosby Avenue in the Bronx. They they were a part of uh Portnoy's one bite pizza fest. Sure. Um, you know, and again to us, it was just our local, our local shop. So, yeah, I lived in the Bronx, obviously, from zero till, um, like, my early teenage years. And then we moved to to central New Jersey. And even in central New Jersey, we had access to these great, great pizza shops like Federici's and Freehold. If you've ever heard of that, it's pretty famous. Um, Brooklyn Squared is now in that area, if you've right. heard of those guys. And, uh, again, it wasn't until I moved to Pittsburgh that I realized, like, something's missing something's wrong you know and i so that's when i would say i didn't fall in love with pizza until my early 20s and i didn't like really go head over heels until the pandemic sure so and and what what were you doing what brought you from uh central jersey i guess to pittsburgh yeah so my mother i was gosh i was probably 20 um and my mother was getting remarried to a guy in pittsburgh okay and, so I was coming out to Pittsburgh just to help her move. And then I was going to go hang with my dad in Brooklyn because my dad was in Brooklyn at the time. And I was just going to hang there with him until I figured figured out what life was going to do for me. And so my mother had convinced me to do one semester of college here. And I was like, fine, I'll, I'll stay for a semester. And literally the first day of school, I met my wife, who I've been with for the last 23 years. Um, I met her like literally the first day of school. So I just kept staying. And the goal was always to move back eventually. Yeah. But then as we got older, we, you know, we had kids, we were raising our kids. We realized how incredibly expensive it was in New York and New Jersey and how incredibly cheap it was to live in Pittsburgh. So we just ended up really planting our roots here. And, uh, you is know, she we, a Yinzer? Is she, is she from Western PA? Oh yeah, she. I mean, she doesn't sound like a Yinzer, but uh, <laughs> she's she's a Yinzer in in here. And uh, yeah, she's from Western PA, an area called Penn Hills. You know, a little suburb, probably about maybe 15, 20 minutes from the center of Pittsburgh. Nice. So. And so, 
Um, and, and what what did you go in? What were you were doing like data analytics or something before? Yeah. So, well, it took me a little while to get there. Actually, my first job that like I really had was I met these guys that owned uh, two small pizzerias. Okay. And, uh, I worked for them for about, I'd say about three and a half, four years. But these are guys that I got like really, really close with. And I would say at the time, they weren't even super passionate about pizza, but their father is like a Pittsburgh legend for for pizza like he has a place like their father's place is still running it's been like 55 years and uh so what they, is it what what's this what's the spot it's called it was called pizza palace now it's called pasqualino's okay and and then they have now and then they have a bigger restaurant now called osteria pasqualino okay and now so now they do kind of a little bit of everything and they've gotten massive over over the years they're so huge but uh, so I got really, really close with them. And in 2002, um, we actually won the best pizza in Pittsburgh while I was working there. Like I got to be on the radio making that pizza. And that was kind of the spark. But then I went away from it. I got some opportunities to manage in the tuxedo business. <laughs> <laughs> As one does. Yeah. And, you know, because somebody had met me and they're like, oh, you got a great personality. You'd be a great manager. And I was like, you know, 23. I had I had a baby. And I was like, I just needed to make more money and they couldn't afford at the time, you know, to, to pay me a true manager salary. So sure. I ended up leaving to go into the tuxedo business and <laughs> fell into that and then actually owned my own tuxedo business. Like I parlayed that into owning my own business and I was hugely successful and massively failed at the same time. What does that mean? Well, because I, I was in my young 20s. I'm making more money than I should once I was owning a place and I spent it all. <laughs> Attaboy. There you go. And within a couple of years, I was flat broke and lost everything. Damn. And when I say lost everything, like I lost everything. And now I got two kids, you know? So I'm like, I got two kids, lost everything. And then I fell. I had a friend that worked in like the corporate side of higher education and she was like, you know, you should maybe come over here. And I'm like, I don't have a college degree. I'm like, how am I going to work for a college? And they hired me as like the assistant director of admissions. And I'm like, are you shitting me? So I take on this role. They never like back check me. And uh, I ended up staying there for like 11 years. Wow. And rose in this corporate life. And I, be so I, not, I did get into data analytics, but I was in, learning and development. So I was, I was a training guy. So I would train all of the employees of all of the colleges that they had across the country. Cause they had like, like 50 something campuses all over the country and uh, ended online division. So I was training all of these people. And, uh, but through that, I learned data analytics cause I would use data sure. to train to very specific behaviors of our admissions department. So if our admissions numbers were down, I was able to use the data to tell me a behavior that I could train that would increase those numbers. And then I just nerded out for the rest of my career there. And it was, it was, I loved my job there. And then, you know, they, the school system that I was working for got in some trouble. They ended up having to close and then, you know, but that took me through into the pandemic. Interesting. And so then, so the pandemic hits and pizza comes calling. Yeah. In a big way. So what happened? So my brother, my brother, he lives in Long Island. Him and I yeah. just kind of like chit chatting a lot just because everybody was bored at home. So everybody came back together, you know, old friends came back together and uh, you know, so him and I were just talking about some pizza stuff and thinking about maybe, you know, doing something. And I started just tinkering on the side, but then I reconnected with an old friend of mine from high school who was a, a pretty big chef in New York city and on the East coast. And he has some like really big, you know, pizza connections that I knew, you know, from back in the day. So I haven't touched a pizza at this point in gosh, you know, 15 something years, maybe yeah. <laughs> like it's been, a, it was a long time. And, uh, so my buddy Cameron, he gives me like this basic little recipe to just start kind of fucking with. And can I curse? 
I don't know. I, I haven't decided that yet, but yeah, just keep going. <laughs> you can always bleep it after, right? That's right. Uh, I do curse in my like normal language. I'm trying not. I'm trying Same. to practice my learning and development. <laughs> Same. But uh, yeah, so he gives me this recipe to mess with. I start playing with it and I start having these little parties in my driveway. And there's, it's just called driveway pizza. Come get driveway pizza. And my buddies who own those restaurants that I worked for 20 years ago, you know, they're coming over and they were like, hey, you know, I think I think you have something here. Sure. And this is better than normal to be coming out of your home pizza oven. I didn't even have like an uni or anything. I was literally just cooking out of my home pizza oven. I mean, my home. Like like oven oven. Yeah. 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 Like like my GE piece of shit. Like, <laughs> and uh, so I start doing it more regular. And then I just start like buying ingredients from my buddies that own the restaurant because they'll like they'll bring in a case of tomatoes for me a case of cheese you know they're not going to like upsell it to me i could pay wholesale and i buy 50 pizza boxes so i create a little facebook thing and i'm like hey i got i got 50 pizza boxes for sale for 20 bucks a pop and they will they may or may not come with a pizza inside that's how (laughs) i'm getting around yeah so selling pizza boxes just so happened to come with a pizza and it just started kind of catching on and i'm like all right maybe we're gonna turn this into anything and then i just threw my buddy cameron helping me his access to a person that you know may or may not be ranked like top five in the country and top 10 in the world um you know we all kind of came together and he was helping me directly and came up with this recipe and it started just catching on. And then, then what I started doing is I started just going on these websites, these auction websites locally. Uh And I, and I would see like a mixer from, from like an elementary school that was closing. And I would, you know, I picked up like a 60 quart Hobart for 600 bucks and they're worth like 10 grand. Yeah. You know, and I would throw it in the garage. Then I found, these two Blodgett 981 60-year-old pizza ovens from a pizza shop that was going out of business. And I got it. I got two ovens and they threw in a 30-quart Hobart for 800 bucks. Threw it in the garage. And so you're then, hoarding, but you're hoarding with a purpose. I'm hoarding with with a purpose. Yeah. You know, um, I found a woman who was like, had a convenience store, had a brand new true prep table i got it for a thousand bucks threw it in the garage and it was like brand new like it yeah. was in pristine condition and those, those things are expensive too they're like five six seven thousand dollars and i got at it the, for- at, at this point what is your goal though like what are, are you already thinking like brick and mortar or are you just thinking like you're going to start making like a like pop-ups out of your garage or no i'm thinking brick and mortar yeah and uh i'm even talking to my brother on long island i'm trying to convince him to move to pittsburgh to like help me do it because <laughs> You know, I'm like getting ready to quit my job. So this is probably like, as I start buying equipment, this is probably like April of the pandemic. So like sure. it's starting to get like really ramped up now. Like the fear is everywhere. And uh, and then I, my brother comes out to Pittsburgh. He's helping me look for locations. My brother, long story short, I won't go into it too much. He doesn't end up coming out here. So I do okay. end up, you know, he, <laughs> He ends up like, you know, he's got younger kids. He couldn't move his family. Sure. So so now I got a garage full of equipment. I'm ready to go. I'm working for a different school now because the school that I was working for was closed. And I'm working remote, which I hate and, <laughs> uh, because I'm a people person. Like I need to be around people. And yeah. if I'm, you know, cut me off. Um, no. So it's like the middle of May and... I decide I'm like, I'm jumping in the car with my family. So whenever I go on vacations is when my best ideas happen. Cause I have time to just shut my brain off. Sure. So literally I don't give my boss any notice. I just drive to Hilton head one night from Pittsburgh, <laughs> like 13 hours. And I, so, so I like call my boss on Monday. I'm not, I'm not going to be in this week. Why not? And I just showed her a picture of the internet. Cause at this point I just don't give a fuck. And I'm like, I'm like, what is she going to do? Fire me? Who cares? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so during that trip, I decide I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to go for it. And uh, 
So the second I got back, you know, I talked to my boss and I was like, listen, let me explain why I just kind of disappeared for a week. Here's what's happening. I'm quitting. So by the end of May, I'm I'm done, but I'm going to give you the whole month. You know, I'll give you a month notice to replace me. And, uh, you know, but I really gave her like four days because even though I was there for the rest of the month, I mean, I was, I was. You're in out. pizza land. Yeah. Uh, but I had stumbled across this location that, which I loved that you called it a sleepy town in Manor, uh, called Manor, Pennsylvania. Because I'm, pretty, is, I'm it, pretty sure those were your words, but anyway, yeah. Maybe I thought we were on the same page. Uh, it probably was my words, but it is. It's this sleepy little town, run of the mill, like semi depressed kind of area. And I find the worst location in the history of pizza. <laughs> in this place has been 17 different pizza shops. And but it had a hood. It had it was right. it, it was only 700 square feet, and I got it for seven hundred dollars a month. So here I am, like the the East Coast guy, right? <laughs> that's gonna come in that's boisterous, that's confident. And they have never seen anything like me before. So I had a pizza they never seen before. I had a personality that they na- never seen before, and and that, and then there was just a little bit of I don't give a fuck on my end. Right. Create this again. Sorry for the language. You You're fine. Uh, to create this soup that hopefully would would catch fire. And uh, and and that we talked before, and I'd done it. I did a couple of other things to stir the pot. Um, yeah. And anybody, anybody who thinks that Sean is like showing a little hubris here, I would encourage them to check out the, a slice of New York pizza Instagram, because he really is unlike anything. Most, most towns have seen in the way that he sort of broadcasts his image. Well, and and here's the thing. So I I read a book and I'm going to use profanity one more time because it's in the title of the book. Yeah. Mark Manson. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah. Yeah, of course. A it's the best book. I've ever read B it was actually introduced to me in my corporate life. Like I I'm fortunate have had the best bosses and mentors ever. And they were always pushing me, Hey, chestnut checkers, and then read this book. And that book changed my outlook, but having that adopting that mindset allows me to put myself out there on social media without giving a fuck. Right. Because that that's the key to success. I think in any business is the reason why people don't make that jump or don't make that leap. It's because they're scared and they're not scared of necessarily failing or success. They're scared of like, if I do this, what's my wife going to think? If I do this, what are my friends going to think of me? If I, and you have to just stop thinking about what anybody is going to think. And just like Nike said, <laughs> just do it. <laughs> I've heard I've heard that before. Yeah, um, that, that's great. And and so what's the early response to your business in this sleepy town? Hate. Really? Right yeah. Um, like, who but, is this guy? But it was designed hate. Uh-huh. Again, my, my mentors were always chestnut checkers, chestnut checkers. And I, I do play chess. So I had to really chess board this whole thing out. And I created a thing called hater math. And hater math was kind of an algorithm to get customers. And, but I had to kind of create haters to get, because again, I had no advertising budget. I had, I had a total of $15,000 total to start this business. So that was including buying all that equipment and getting open. So signage, licensing, you know, surf safe, like everything that I needed, I fit grand so there was no marketing budget so how am i going to get out there with zero dollars is old school you know guerrilla marketing you know and uh and and again very strategic uh chess moves you had to know that you were sitting on a gold mine of a product to to be confident enough to do something like that right like you you can't just come in and start like uh, driving people nuts and, you know, have a crappy product and expect it's going to work. Yeah. I mean, we were very confident in our product. And I, and the first thing I did to to create 
a stir was I put a limit on, on the pizzas. But what the people didn't know was that the limit was like double what this location had ever done in a day. But I, I made people think that the limit was a little bit, which in the grand scheme, any other pizza people in any big city are going to think of the, the limit. It is a small number. But in this area, it was a very, very large number. But I kind of tricked their brains into thinking that this number was smaller than it is. M- meaning while. meaning you're saying like, you know, 200 pizzas today and that's all we're doing or something like that. Yeah, and it was a lot less than that because it was <laughs> we were a two man operation. So right. we would, we, and remember, my rent was only 700 bucks a month. So I didn't need to do a ton to make money. And uh, so we did 50 pies a day. I was open from like three to seven and we just banged during those four hours and that was it. But we created this scarcity, but every time someone didn't get one, they went onto the local Facebook group, right? And on the little Facebook group, I can't get a pizza. Wah, 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 wah. And then they, but then as they started B-I-T-C-H-ing, I guess I'll say the word. There you go because I'm not talking to two-year-olds, right? I started responding and sticking up for myself, you know, and then it would just create fire. Chaos. Yeah, and it was it was the perfect storm. But, you know, they they all, it, how do I say this properly? It was like taking candy from a baby, honestly. <laughs> it was too easy to, to get the initial explosiveness. So... When do people start liking you? <laughs> right. So are well, you still waiting? Are you still waiting for that? No. <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting. <laughs> uh, well, so that's the thing. So I would say that the people that kind of created the system of ordering, I never created it. It kind of created itself where I would just throw out there like, hey, I'm in the building at noon. Start calling, you know, and then the phones would start ringing. But I knew how many pizzas I can do you know, per hour and per half hour. So I would just schedule everything out accordingly. So the people that kind of like created that were already kind of on the inside. And then they became my friends as they became regulars and things like that. So, so I had two things going at the same time. I had the people that fell in love with us and fell in love with the business model, spreading the good word for us. Right. Then I had the people that hated our business model so much that could never get a pizza. They were telling 10 times the people, right? But for every 10 people that they told, eight of them were like, well, shit, it's got to be good. Right. Right. And then of those eight, a certain amount would come in and then they would become regulars and join this side. So it was just this cycle of, Creating and actually, at one point, my Facebook slogan was "We are the most loved and the most hated pizza shop in Western. <laughs> because it was about equal. Like it just like we had just as many haters as we had lovers. And there's people that will tell you I'm the nicest person on the planet, and there's people that'll tell you that I'm the biggest asshole on the planet. Right. But they're all correct. <laughs> you're like the you're like the 1986 Mets. I, I know that that uh, metaphor will bastards. Yeah. That's, <laughs> um okay and um so you know one thing that i think we're sort of uh glossing over here is like how community community oriented your shop is and was and continues to be and one of the things that you've gotten a lot of coverage for which i think is a really cool thing is your tradition that you do on september 11th every year um first let's start with you know what's i feel like every new yorker has a 9-11 story so kind of what what was yours yeah. Oh, well, it's it's really interesting because I, I was living here in Pittsburgh already at the time, but I just ha- so happened to have been in New York the weekend prior. So my father lives in Staten Island. He, ha- he had a boat at the time and we were out. This is on September 9th and we were out fishing somewhere off the coast of Staten Island, somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean. Wow. And we're coming in and randomly... I'm like, hey, I don't have any good pictures of the World Trade Center. Come on. 
So kid you not. And I was always enamored by them. I actually got an opportunity in, in high school to spend some time working in there. Uh-huh. Uh, Cause my dad had a buddy that had like a stockbroker thing. And I was like getting people coffee, like stupid shit, sure. but I got to spend time in those buildings a decent amount of time. So my dad's like, well, Hey, we'll go get lunch. I know a spot. So he pulls the boat up to this dock in lower Manhattan where you kind of like dock and there's like a little restaurant and you could like eat lunch, then hop back on your boat and be sure. out. So I get all of these awesome pictures of the world trade center, like that. I, I wish I could find them right now. Like they literally say like September 9th, uh, like in the bottom right hand corner. Remember when you get film developed? Huh? Yeah. 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 I am just barely, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know I'm aging myself. There. I was in eighth grade on nine 11. We'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So, and, but again, you think nothing of it. got my pictures, got my lunch, you know, go home, you know, that, that day before. And then I was here, you know, and I was working and I was working part-time also on the side for a carpet cleaner. It was like just a little, cause again, I was always doing multiple things and it was like, that was just an extra side hustle that I had with somebody that owned a small business. And I'm literally carpet cleaning at somebody's house, like as it's happening. And I literally like dropped the wand, you know, it was like this crazy moment. And then that was actually the only job in my life that I ever like quasi like walked off slash got fired at the same time. Like, because the guy that I was working with, I was like, dude, I got to go home. Like I got to call my, my, cause my dad yeah. worked in Brooklyn, like right across, like in Red Hook. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with that area. Of Brooklyn. I, I, I can picture what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but like the best view of lower Manhattan you could possibly imagine. I'm like, I got to call my family. I got to make sure everybody's cool. Like, cause you still didn't know what the hell was happening or if yeah. more was going to happen. How did you hear? Was it on the TV or something? At it was on the or? TV in a yeah. customer's house. And, yeah. and the guy that I was working for says to me, he goes, what is you getting on the phone going to do? And I'm still like semi fresh out of New York and New Jersey. So I'm like, yeah. I was just like, screw you, dude. Like drop the wand and I just bounced. Wow. And, but you couldn't get a hold of anybody anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, I I semi see his point twenty some years later that like you know the, yeah but in the moment oh, you're like are you are you are you serious right now <laughs> yeah but at, also in the moment I'm like freaking out because this I just saw this building yeah exactly yeah. two days ago yeah and uh, and now it's gone and uh, so. That's so 9 11 has always just kind of like, and the World Trade Center and that day just always held a really special place in my heart. You know, that, you know, it's it's a day that's kind of somber. It's a day like I'm not a quiet person, but it's always a day that I'm always kind of quiet. And then once I had the ability to give back a little, you know, and I had this platform with my business. You know, I was like, you know, hey, I'm going to close on 9-11 and I'm going to donate all 50 of my pizzas to local first responders. And I, and what I would do is I would like I would make like 10 pizzas and then go drop them off at this fire department, this police station, this, um, you know, ambulance outlet, EMS. Sorry, I was, I was getting caught up with the EMS for some reason. You're good. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I started just, you know, dropping stuff off. And then our local, I apologize. I thought my ringer was off. The the first year we did it, when I, I posted like a video that, hey, we're closing. And then our local CBS affiliate kind of picked it up and uh, they helped spread the word. So the next year that I did it, we did it a little bigger. And then this past year, we actually got other pizza shops involved. So, and I, I named it even like the great 9-11 first responder pizza donation. <laughs> and uh, there was no, we're no 5013C. There's no tax advantage to doing it. It was just a feel good thing. Like if you had a connection to 9-11, you liked giving back, you know, you didn't have to report to me what you were doing, but we had pizza shops from Maine to Miami on the East coast probably about 30 pizza shops this past 9-11 wow. just donating to first responders and you know it just it feels good to do good on a day that i hate to say that i'm selfish about it but on a day that i'm generally sad it makes me happy 
um, to give back. And we give back in other ways to other charities, because believe it or not, there are people that hate because why are you giving to this group and not to this group? You know, and it's people will always find a reason to complain. But again, it's a day for us that we can just feel really positive and, and just do good. Yeah, no, that's super cool. And uh, I actually didn't know about the expansion. Um, that How were you getting other pizza shops involved? Was it just like through word of mouth, social media kind of stuff or? Yeah, well, there was that. And then also I'm a, a part of this group on Clubhouse. I don't know if we had sure. talked about this yeah. previously uh, called Pizza Club. And so I have a lot of pizza friends just from all of, like I would say 90% of my pizza friends I met through Pizza Club. Right. And but see, I meet them through Pizza Club, but then I show up at their door and make pizza with them, you know, and then, <laughs> and then you just you just make this relationship. And so through that, like, again, my buddy Larry down in Miami with uh, Pizzella, he's ranked number 40 in the country on the top 50 U.S. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he got involved and then he helped spread the word a little with some other Florida people. So it's just through Pizza Club, met some great friends and then, you know, kind of pitched it on there. And then locally here, again, like people think that all the pizza makers in Pittsburgh like are enemies and we're all friends and especially the ones that care. Yeah. Yeah. It really, that's been one of the things I'm most amazed by getting into the world of pizza is like, you know, I come from just the world of restaurants, not pizza specific. And uh, it it, it was, it's not the same. There's a lot more kind of, competitive spirit and pizza people are competitive too but there's also so much camaraderie and so much respect for each other's product you know yeah and it depends on it depends on the league you're in too where you know i chose to enter more of an artisanal version of a new york pie but that allowed me to get in with other artisanal bakers and just people care about the craft on a different level you know and and i do have friends that are conveyor belt pizza shops you know, but I let them know that I do publicly. We'll talk trash. About <laughs> I won't talk bad about them, you know, but I talk bad about, you know, ingredients and process. And but that's all fair game. Right. But I'll never, ever talk bad about like another pizza shop. And uh, sure. because, again, we're all we're all buddies behind the scenes. I had I had one the other day that's literally right around the corner that like I just he need, he was short pepperoni. I'm like, here. He's like, can I buy it off you? I'm like, no, hey, just take it. I'll buy, I'll awesome. get beer off you, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's super communal. So we all know you're, you love New York style pizza um, and you're, you're an aficionado and you have high standards for it. Um, if you're eating another style of pizza though, what is it? It's a great question. Um, I'm really like hyped up right now on Roman style pizza. Okay. Yeah. Um, so those guys that I, just to circle back that I talked about earlier that I worked for years ago. Sure. So the the one it's two brothers. So the one brother, he went to Florence, Italy for a month to learn how to make Roman style pizza. And he even like brought an oven back with him just <laughs> to make these pizzas. And he's doing like 96 hour fermentations with like 85% hydration, Buffalo mozzarella from Italy, like real San Marzano's. Cause we both know most of them are fake. Like he's using real San Marzano tomatoes and it's just the most magnificent pizza I've ever had in my life. And I can't get enough of it. So that's awesome. So if, I, if I have a choice, uh, but there's other Roman style pizzas. In Sorry, different- you need to name check his shop. I can't, I can't let you get off it's without doing it. Osteria Pasqualino. Oh, okay. It's the one you, yeah, yeah I got you. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. But they out of their, that's their, they have other locations, but only the Murraysville location sells the Roman pizza. Okay. All right. So people need to check that out. Um, all right. So you're, you're moving to South Carolina effective immediately. No, just kidding. Um, let's, let's go back to where we started. You know, yeah. it sounds like you're going to work this to the end of the lease and you're eyeing a pizza truck in Charleston. Um, yeah. does it just, does it just sound like freedom to you? Like what, what is so appealing about this? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. Cause I, I mentioned them twice already, but Larry Galper, do you know, Larry at all? I, it, it's ringing a bell, but I'm not placing it for some reason. So again, his his place is called Pizzella. It's it's a pizza truck. And it's funny because everything that he has, I want, and everything I have, he wants. <laughs> and because he wants brick and mortar more than anything. And I want nothing more than to be sitting on a pizza truck. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but again, somehow he got to be ranked number 40 in the country out of a pizza truck. So again, the 
I prior to the holidays, I was gung ho on. We had talked about me opening a north location, a south yeah. location, and I was gung ho, like looking at locations. I had a logo made for a secondary spinoff where we were just going to do Sicilian pies, and like I had this whole thing going. And then it was just again, I was on vacation, floating, and I'm like. I just got away from my core values because when I got into this business, even though I had fun with the marketing, I never got into this business for the money. I got into this business for an undying passion for pizza and to create something that was for me, you know, and it was something for me to feel like home. And I, I, again, I got lost in, in the hype and the hoopla and the shuffle and, once I was able to kind of take a little time off and center myself, I realized what I wanted and what I did I didn't want. And what I want is a very simple life. Like my family and I, we live a small lifestyle. Like we live in a townhouse. We drive two used cars. Like we, you know, we're, we're not fancy people. And you know, I feel the only thing I'm going to have by having more locations and more money is maybe a bigger house, maybe a fancier car. But at the end of the day, who gives a shit? Nobody, right? Cool shit's only cool until all of your friends have seen it for the first time. Then it ain't cool no more. Oh, like test, that. That, test that theory. Okay. Uh, Sean Jafergian, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this is awesome, man. I really appreciate you doing this. I appreciate you doing this. Hopefully uh, you found this valuable and I hope... Uh, PMQ Magazine finds it valuable, and I really had a lot of fun, and I'd love to do more stuff like that. All right, we're here with Brian Hernandez, PMQ Test Chef, U.S. Pizza Team Director. We're doing Style Guide with Brian Hernandez. Um, Brian, first topic we chose, uh, trying to mirror the January-February issue of PMQ, is De uh, Detroit-style pizza which we did a deep dive in. If you haven't seen that yet, you should check it out. Uh, and we're going to do a, a more shallow dive here, I guess, um, on the pod. So, um, Brian, when th this is what I've been dying to ask you, when did Detroit style pizza come on your radar? Cause it seems like it was a little different than when it came on my radar. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in the Midwest, uh, mostly Indiana, um, had family in Chicago. So it was just something that we always knew about. I, I mean, we're not necessarily in Detroit or in Michigan, but, you know, we were close enough to where it wasn't a secret. So when I got this job and all of a sudden there's that big boom, and I'm like, what the heck's everybody so excited about? I, I, I didn't understand it at first that it was kind of a, a regional secret for a long time. I don't know if social media has anything to do with it and the, you know, that little technology boom we had as far as like getting the word out. But yeah, that was my surprise is, that you didn't know about it <laughs> right <laughs> first i'm like what so um but i am uh also surprised at how long it stayed so popular once it was kind of found out it kind of had a meteoric rise and it's stuck around for quite a while yeah yeah agreed i i do it's funny that you just mentioned the instagram thing because i do think it's a it's a really picturesque style of pizza um just sort of that square with the sauce on top and so maybe i maybe that had something to do with that i i, I don't know um what, what do you think people enjoy about eating detroit style pizza so much oh there's so many things um honestly there's uh, okay so the crust obviously number one yeah um but also the the caramelized caramelized cheese the caramelization of that white cheddar or the frico as it's called um but that could be you know considered crust and then again the dough so well again crust 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 and crust um i mean you you want that light and fluffy uh uh dough inside so um you want a good crunchy bake on the bottom um, you want that good caramelization on the sides with the white cheddar and on the inside, it's got to be light, fluffy and airy. It's got to look like it weighs 10 pounds and weigh one. 
<laughs> basically. That's a really good description. Um, and I guess we should back up and dive a little bit into the history. Uh, Detroit style pizza seems like it was one of those happy accidents. Also very authentically Detroit in that it was invented and cooked in uh, these pans, these blue steel pans that were popular in the automotive industry that obviously proliferated in Detroit. So um, did you want to just touch on a couple notes about the history of it all? And uh, also to tell us a little bit about your pilgrimage to Detroit a few years back when you uh, did an awesome video for PMQ. Yeah, um, we actually, Daniel Perea, a video videographer for PMQ at the time, he and I got to travel over to Detroit and talk to some of the big hitters in the industry for the style. Um, uh, we got to speak with Wesley Pecula, um, who was the COO of Buddy's Pizza, uh, Jack Guerra, who was the son of the originator of Detroit-style pizza at Cloverleaf, and then also a good friend of mine, Sean Randazzo, with the Detroit-style pizza company, um, who's also can't remember if he had actually owned the Cloverleaf or was looking to buy one um, before he turned it into Detroit-style pizza company. But, I mean, pretty big hitters, all coming from the same spot. Uh, so basically in 1946, um, Gus Guerra, I, I believe his mom was working in the kitchen and they needed pans and they were these automotive drip pans hanging around. Um, I believe is, is what was told me at the, uh, at their shop. And so they pretty much started cooking pizzas in there and it, and it kind of naturally gave it that rectangular shape because as the dough would rise, obviously, you know, it's just going to fill the pan and, um, you know, eventually, I, I'm not exactly sure where all the cheddar and all that, that fancy stuff came on, but the basics of cooking it in those blue steel pans was just out of necessity at the times. And even it, when you go to Cloverleaf and Buddies, like the original locations, I swear some of these pans are like from the 1940s too, because they, they <laughs> still have that very industrial look. If you look at them, um, not like those sleek Lloyd pans that we're all used to now, like the, you know, the ones that, that are just you know, pristine, soft edges. These things look like they come out from under cars. And it's weird because they almost feel assembly line-esque in the kitchens because they have these giant metal sleeves where they just stack Detroit after Detroit style. If you haven't been in the kitchen, ask if you can peek inside and see these guys prepping for the day because that's all they do. You know, it's and they do it well and they do a lot of it. So the prep is insane. Um, but I mean, just from there, uh, Gus Guerra uh, actually sold, I can't remember the year, but he actually sold out to, um, his shares to his, a couple of business partners. And then he opened Cloverleaf. He's, he sold the shares to buddies, which was where it originated, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. He was the owner of buddies. Um, and the actual originator of this style, uh, he's, he sold a share in buddies and opened up Cloverleaf. One more thing that I, I do remember after interviewing and talking to all these guys that everybody is just. We ask them, you know, what do they think about Detroit style pizza? And they just equate it to like the same thing as the the people of Detroit. Hardworking, you know, they, they take pride in how hard they work at making these pizzas and, and the product that comes out. They they feel that the the pride of Detroit translates into that pizza. And I've never really I mean, you got your New York pizza guys who say, Oh, I love New York, New York's the best. But I mean, these guys really kind of have like they'll go out and put on kilts and fight to the death for Detroit and Detroit style pizza. <laughs> You know braveheart style so but that and i think it translates into those things because you you can taste it and then you know they don't mess around so yeah i think there's well one said. thing that was across the board what, what, what's the <laughs> difference between because like when i see a square pie these days i almost assume it's detroit style which of course is wrong-headed so like what separates detroit style from sicilian and like other square pies um it's gonna be your your dough makeup um or your dough recipe i should say um and the characteristic pan. I mean, you you can mess around. You could almost probably take a grandma style pizza dough and make it Detroit if you put it in the pan to where it's going to proof enough and come up on the sides. Now, will it have the same exact texture in the middle? Probably not. A lot of these guys have been perfect. I've seen some that are just insane with the cavernous, you know, crumb structure that are having in these Detroits now. Um, and I can't remember the name of the guy that somebody turned me on to to watch. Um, I saw a couple of videos and then spaced on it but um you know that's the the size of the pan and getting that caramelization um you know your grandma pie is not going to have that caramelization of that white cheddar on the side it just doesn't i mean basically the, the the grandma pie has a crust more or less you know it doesn't cover the whole pie end to end there's a little something to grab onto with your thumb on the edge so um 
Detroit is all topping, baby. <laughs> it's, it's all the way edge. That's the other thing is edge to edge toppings really is what right. it is. There's no, there should be no exposed layer of uh, crust or dough on the very top at all. Should all be cheese and then get your sauce on the, on the top. Um, now a lot of grandmas and Sicilians, they, that actually is how you do the saucing for those as well. Um, what is your favorite Detroit style pizza you've had so far or who? It, it was, it was fire and water. Um, as you know, I'm not, I'm not as deep in the game as you are yet. I, I'm six months with PMQ and, and so I'm starting to, <laughs> you know, get the bug, the pizza bug. Um, but, uh, yeah, when okay. I was out in San Francisco, I, I tried a bunch and I, I really like square pie guys as well. I thought they do a really nice product. Yeah. Um, but the flour and water slice shop, we got two different Detroit styles. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's sort of like their own thing. I think, uh, I wouldn't be able to articulate that in the terms you would, but, um, it's, it's a lot, um, drier, but like in a good way, I don't really know how to say that there's a lot of crunch, um, that you might not find like yep. in other slices. Um, no, I have, but yeah, how about you similar in Milwaukee? Okay. Well, I had something that in Milwaukee that was similar with a, it was a sourdough. Me and Blake got it back to the room and it was, um, and it had something to do with like flour and fire too, or something like that, or wheat and fire. Um, and it was weird cause it was a Neapolitan oven, but that's why I went there. I'm like, yeah, I want some Neapolitan. And Blake's like, no, they only do Detroit. I'm like, what? Um, but huh. we get back and it's a little darker dough and it had a flavor to it. And I'm like, Hey, next day we're talking. I'm like, do you, do you like that pizza? And he's like, yeah, I said, kind of good. Right. So again, that was just off the top of my head. I wasn't even going to mention that one, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I honestly got to say, not even to, I hate saying it cause I'm wearing his freaking hat, but the, the gluten-free Detroit, um, vegan pie, uh, at the Nona slice house was actually really good. I don't want to say huh. it's one of my favorites, um, I mean, cause I've had buddies, I've had them all Detroit style pizza company, Polly G's, um, that's the most unique one that has kind of stood out above the rest because it was so unique. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Gluten-free and vegan. I mean, that's yeah. But you couldn't tell the difference, man. Cause that's when I first, maybe it's because that was like the first day I went vegan and that was the first thing I ate. You know, maybe like a duckling and printing on it. On Wait, what do you mean you went vegan? Or something. When were you vegan? I I went vegan for three months for PMQ and did a journal and all that stuff. Oh, man. Um, right before Italy. Yeah. Actually, um, right after I quit drinking, I think, kind of incorporated it into it okay. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was changed how I eat, man. I can't eat, I can't eat red meat anymore. I, I like vegetables anyway, but, you know, mostly vegetables and chicken now. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Uh, well, it Brian, we... the fun. <laughs> it was not fun. <laughs> Which part? The vegan part? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds miserable. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, you know what? I respect it. And uh, some people, like you said, I mean, it's, it's you know, the pizza scene certainly has gotten a lot better with vegan. So, buddy, enjoyed it. Can't wait to do this another time. And uh, next time we check in with you, we'll be talking U.S. pizza team stuff. So looking forward to that. Yep. Colorado Mountain Pie, U.S. pizza team. Can't wait. That's right. All right, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the very first episode of Peel, a PMQ pizza podcast. If you made it this far, we appreciate you more than you would know. PMQ pizza is a property of WTWH Media. Special thanks today to Brian Hernandez, who will be a driving force behind the show. We appreciate you, Brian. PMQ pizza is a team production, of course. The PMQ team is, in no particular order, Rick Heinem, editor-in-chief. Tracy Morin, copy editor. Blake Harris, digital production coordinator. Eric Summers, art director. Tom Fumblefingers Boyles, National Sales Manager, Ashley Cyprian, National Sales Manager, and Brandy Pinion, Customer Service Representative. PMQ Pizza was founded by Stephen Linda Green. Shout out to the godparents. Thanks again for joining us today. See you in a couple weeks.